gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, Electricity here in Columbia. Well, it's been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Williams Price Stadium is second to none. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. It is good. Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina! It's gone. Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? Cops have won this game! Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Oh, watch him celebrate now! Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losers. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. Greetings and good morning and welcome aboard Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios. It is hump day, Wednesday, as we head towards the opening pitch of college baseball season at Founders Park and all across America. You might be noticing uh, something a little different, just two of us. Uh, JC can't talk again today, but he will be back tomorrow. And interesting enough, I don't know if these two have spent time together, but Mike Morgan was going to join us today. He also can't talk. He called the game last night under the weather, so Mikey is gonna gonna pop in with us tomorrow at some point in time. David Cloninger though will join us in less than twenty minutes. He did cover last night's South Car- uh, South Carolina basketball loss to Vanderbilt, their seventh straight at home, and uh, that while it is a story, is clearly not the story that many of you will want to talk about, which it's already filling up in the Nana Sports chat box, and we will get to that here in just a little bit. Uh, we do have some football stuff to get to as well. And again, uh, baseball season right around the corner, and that conversation will continue. It is a blowout of sorts on our program on Friday. A lot of names and faces you will recognize uh, with us over a cu- over our couple of hours on the air leading into the first pitch at 4 o'clock from Founders Park. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston, the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. If you're anywhere in the state of South Carolina and you want to go on a bike ride or you want to start riding bikes and maybe you just don't want to get worn out while you're getting into it electric bikes of charleston can get you started and take you all the way to the finish line up to 28 miles an hour on those things with pedal assist and uh, they are just absolutely fantastic fantastic a full charge can get you about 60 miles from your house so if you if you use one 60 miles from your house and you run out of juice you're going to be pedaling 60 miles home, so make sure you time it right. Gamecock owned and operated. Their warranties are unbelievable. Their service is even better than that, and we just cannot thank them enough for what they do for us and for so many people from the beach to the mountains and getting them out and active. With the spring coming, this might be a good way to spend some of your tax dollars if you're getting a refund this season. Electricbikescharleston.com, powering inside the Gamecocks. 
the show. So my voice doesn't go out too, Phil. I'll turn it over to you. What's up? Yeah, well, not much here. Just, uh, you know, tying up loose ends, getting ready for the show and almost forgot to invite everybody to join me. So we almost had the Phil show today. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd be scared to have one of those bikes. You know, my daughter would uh, hop on that thing and test the limits of that 60 miles. And she, okay. <laughs> she, she you know, she'd be a six-year-old uh, in Newberry yeah. <laughs> on her own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I'm, I am planning to get one at some point in time. I haven't ridden bikes in forever, but I've got kids and that's what they do now is they get out and ride their bikes. And so I figure, well, I don't like working out ever since my playing days ended running and stuff like that. It, it, I look at it more as punishment than I do as enjoyment. So I thought, well, what is a way for me to get out and just continue to stay active? So when I'm in the pool and on the boat all summer, I don't, you can't tell that I've, drank enough vodka for most of the low country um i figured it'd be one of these bikes so that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna get michelle to hook me up with one and i hope you all hope you all join me um looking forward uh phil to to getting dc on in about 15 minutes or so because um 12 20 12 20 12 oh 12 20 yeah that's right you and i i kept screwing this up I asked Mike to come on at eleven twenty, and DC to, and you asked you got DC for twelve twenty. Okay, yeah, I got so. scared with the text. Uh, I was like, "Oh no, they're overlapping." <laughs> I mean, not yeah. that that would be a bad thing, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, David Kloninger twelve twenty. Yep, yeah, yeah. I'll just yeah. double check before I'm not. I'm not thinking I'm the one who did it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Okay. Uh, Jamie says in the Nana Sports chat box, "Ha ha, me too." JB, I'm assuming you're talking about the vodka comment. Yeah, maybe Jamie, maybe you and I need to get in our express sunroom and uh, after we ride bikes and. Um, and, and and what what does Lance call him? Uh, have a few lattes. That's right. Kick back a few <laughs> lattes. Yeah, that's a, that sounds good to me. And and also, um, in the uh, again the award winning Anna Sports chat box. Where's Craig? Where is Craig? I hope Craig's okay. I haven't seen him in a couple of days. And, and where's Clint? Are they boycotting us today? Did they catch wind that JC was sick? Because you know this is two or three days this week. I think Craig has been. Uh, has been just bumped out of the the front row seat. Adam got in, at least on the chat box. He got in first today, and then Marion, our resident mailman, mm-hmm. and uh, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. He's he didn't get to watch us yesterday, but he says his favorite player, who he loved the most, was Mike Hold. I I had the opportunity yeah. awesome a few years ago to, to interview Mike when I was on ESPN, and um and that was just a great conversation. One of the one of the neatest, I asked him, I said, when you held that football out to the refrigerator, what were you thinking? He said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he wouldn't come after me, but he did it. Uh, but uh, that's, that's that's pretty cool. Jan said Craig is blowing glass. Uh, that's, yeah. yeah. He, he's t- taking that sucker and run with it. But um I, I'm, I can't wait to get DC on because he, he was he was one of the reporters last night from the game who was kind of, if you couldn't see it on TV, which I don't think they ever really made it a point. Mike called the game. I don't think they ever made it a real point to zoom in like you probably would see in the NBA on a player who seemingly is disgruntled. Um, however, on Twitter, if you were following along with guys like David Cloninger, they were pretty much letting you know what was going on. 
that yeah. Gigi Jackson was uh, did not appear happy at times. He was not involved in the huddle. Um, if you watch the game, you could see oftentimes Phil when they were on their end of the floor, uh, things would happen, and and he just didn't really seem engaged like his teammates. He he wasn't clapping. He was just kind of slumped over. Um, it is certainly it, it's certainly something that we don't all know the details, but it is bringing a lot of public scrutiny, and and there are a lot of different narratives running rampant as far as to what is going on with GG. Why is that happening? Is it on Coach Paris? Is it on this young man himself? Is it on somebody else? So there's just really – it sucks, you know, because it's a lot of drama. And when you're having a terrible season, it's it's really not something that you want to have to talk about with the, the – the you know, by the, by the rankings, the, the highest-ranked player you've ever signed here. Everybody watched this kid for two years to see if he was going to come to South Carolina – and certainly right now it seems like there's a there's a sour touch to it. Yeah, it's a, you know, you just don't want him spoiling the rest of the locker room back there, you know, for what that's worth. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I guess we're fortunate that it wasn't plastered all over, you know, <laughs> SEC Network last night while he's, yeah. you know, over there sulking and, you know, head hanging low. But, um you know, the, ultimately that, you know, I, I realize this kid is a kid and has got a lot of maturity left to do. That's for sure. And, um, you know, you can sit on the bench and the, in the league and, and, and kind of mature a little bit, but, you know, coach Paris is, it kind of falls on his shoulders in my opinion, JB. Cause I mean, this is your team. You're supposed to be, you know, putting your imprint on this team. And if you've got one guy consistently just, you know, down in the dumps and and not even celebrating even the smaller victories for the team, then, uh, you know, how long do we sit there and look at that before we start pointing fingers over at Lamont saying, Hey, you know, this, this is a reflection of you. Right. Yeah. It's so contrary to, I, I try to be very fair. Phil, I think y'all, you've probably known this about me for a long time. I try to be very fair with the things that I say and the things that I know. Um, and, and I know oftentimes we'll all get criticized based on our comments because they're not, they don't agree with somebody else's, uh, you know, perception of something or opinion of something. Um, this is something that I don't, I don't know anything about. Okay. And none of us do. Uh, I mean, maybe somebody does, maybe somebody knows someone, you know, in the program who has been a little bit more open with them about it. Um, Somebody knows GG directly or or, or, or Lamont. You know, I, I have no relationship with with Lamont Paris. Um, so I, I always want to be very careful of, of saying things. Now, my, my my opinion on this is not necessarily who's right and who's wrong. It's trying to understand how we got here, hmm. and and so you know, if if you've ever been an athlete. Uh, and and I see a ton of you are filling up the, the Nanosports chat box, so we're certainly going to read all these here in just a minute. Um, if you've ever been an athlete and if you've ever been a coach, you know, th- there is a lot to unpack in a conversation like this. You, you, as an athlete, your job is to do your job. Uh, as a coach, your job is to worry about the entire program itself. Um, you, you generally don't want to treat one 
player different from another player when it comes to uh, handling discipline, um, team play, you know, things like that. You're going to treat guys differently based on what they can and can't do on the floor or on the field and in what where you are in the game and things like that. I, I get that. But I'm, I'm talking about how you're actually treating a player. So the reason, like, I can't – I'm not going to ever get into a back-and-forth argument with somebody about this situation and say, well, I'm right and you're wrong because I'm not in the locker room. And I have no idea. I do know this. Michi Johnson last night was, was very supportive. Of it. He called uh, Gigi Jackson his little brother. And, uh, and says that they're all behind him. Uh, Coach Paris is, uh, after the last game that they won at Ole Miss, said that the group that was playing on the floor the majority of the game was the group that was producing, and that's why. Um, you know, it seems like there's probably a little bit more behind the curtain on that comment, Phil, but but it, th- that's what he said, and, and so you certainly have to take that into consideration. I, I will say this, as a player, regardless of any – I don't care how good you are or anything like that, uh, you, you can't, you can't wear it on your sleeve. You, you just can't. And, um, and, and, and you can't, as fans, I, I, I personally don't excuse that because, oh, well, he's been treated bad or, well, he's the best player or, or, well, he's just a kid. Well, I, I've watched a lot of 17 and 18 year old kids play who were phenoms in sports that, that didn't necessarily carry themselves the way that. At least I have seen Gigi carry himself lately. Now, again, I'm not necessarily knocking on this young man because by all means, I th- from what I understand, he's just an outstanding kid. But he's very, very frustrated right now with some things. Um, whether that's how he's being handled, whether that's his own play, whether it's something else, I, I, I don't know. But when you see what you see, like we're seeing it, Phil, it leaves our minds very open and then you know these conversations can just go right into the dumps really quick and like i mentioned you know if you were 16 and 9 or 17 and 9 you you can skirt around some of them when you're 9 and 17 in year 1 of a coaching change and there's been other issues as well as far as the play of the the, the team itself yeah it it just makes things so much worse yeah, I think, you know, and, and I think you, you kind of hit it too, JB, when you mentioned that it is the first, you know, year of a new head coach. So it's the pressure of that is not just on Paris, but on the entire team. And then, you know, Gigi coming in and being the name for the team, uh, it's got to be immense pressure on him. And, um, you know, it's 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 got to be tough, you know, because like, like, you know, like you said, you hear he's a good guy, a good kid, you know, and all of that just uh, needs to kind of handle adversity a bit better or, or try to figure out how to uh, adapt into an adverse situation in game, I guess a little better. And, and, you know, that, that being said, I don't know what's going on outside of the court, <laughs> you know, don't claim to know this guy, don't claim to know anything going on. But uh, aside from the fact that it's probably easy to assume that he's under a, a ton of pressure and just uh, is maybe having a, a hard time adapting to that role. Yeah, and and I look at the um, at the Nana's porch uh, chat box here, and there's some really good stuff in here. I, I do want to read some of this. Um, 76, what's up, bud? Uh, he says, uh, I actually enjoy Coach Martin and Coach Paris's style, but Gigi seems to need something more. 
I want the best of Gigi, but sometimes you got to step up and, and be stronger. And and that is that's an I think you might be onto something there. Uh, and w- so what is the more is the question, right? Because I would he have been better off in more of a blue blood type program where when he stepped on the floor for the first time, you know, there there was zero pressure on him to produce, um, you know. North Carolina is not the North Carolina necessarily that we're used to, but they are certainly better than South Carolina. Uh, Same thing with Duke. You know, both of them have gone through coaching changes. They're not the top 10 programs that we have been accustomed to seeing, but, but definitely while he would be playing up there significant minutes, uh, he would not necessarily be the face of the, of the program. Um, Something, you know, I I seem to think this is just my personal opinion. I, I, I think he needs more Frank Martin style. Um, but I think also, I'm old school in saying stuff like that. I think everybody needs a little bit of Frank Martin style in some way, shape, or form in anything they do. It's an accountability thing. Now, you, you can argue, what, is there is it too much or whatever? That's fine. I, that's, a, that's totally up for debate. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying anybody's wrong in, in challenging my comments there. But it, but it is good to have somebody hold you accountable. And, and Frank, frankly that never cared how good you were. Um, Frank was going to coach you and he didn't listen to the outside world and, and things like that. And now it's not necessarily fair either to have this conversation about whether it's better to have Frank Martin or Lamont Paris, because Frank Martin is not here and, and Lamont Paris is, and you know, you could expand that even more. Well, what if it was somebody, what if it was BJ Mackey, you know, what if it was Dennis Gates? What if it was Sean Miller? I don't know. These are all what ifs and none of them matter because this is the situation. Um, but just watching Frank, you know, at a decade's worth of a sample size of watching him coach, he would have coached a guy like Gigi Jackson very, very hard. And I just find it hard to believe, personally, that you would see some of the some of the emotion that he has let out the last couple of weeks. I find it difficult to to imagine that you would have seen a lot of that with with even if it's not Frank with that style of coaching over him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of who it is doing it, if it's going to be a bit tougher of a coaching situation, then, uh, you know, well, yeah, because that kind of attitude just doesn't fit into the program at that point. So that's so. And then you go back to what I said originally is, you know, with this, how much of it falls on Paris's head? You know, I, I know this is his first run at a D1 school and, and being in a, a conference that, you know, is very competitive and, and your expectations are a little higher. I mean, at least for this program itself, they weren't that great. Um, but, you know, it's hard to see what we've got to build on moving from here with, with what we've seen on the court thus far, JB. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will hit a break here, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave these final two comments and then we can pick up where we're leaving off. Um, you know, you, you, if from an emotional side, from the emotional side of this conversation, Replace the name Gigi Jackson with Josh Gray or with Jacoby Wright or with Chico Carter or with Hayden Brown or anybody else on that roster. Okay. If, if they were seemingly showing what he has shown, how would they be treated? Okay. Would, would they be, no, you're going to sit down because we're not going to deal with this. All right. From the play side of it, it does seem like coach Paris is a little bit frustrated with how he's actually been playing the game as well whether it's lack of hustle, just lack of understanding out there. I mean, you're, you're 20, you know, 26 games into your career now. I mean, you pretty much know what it takes to, to go out and play college basketball. You're not going to be a polished product or a finished product, but you understand what it takes. Um, 
you know, if you're not playing well, if you're not playing well, you you generally some coaches say, well, you're going to play through it. Some coaches say we're going to sit you down. Some coaches do both. You know, that's their job is to figure out whether I need to keep this guy on the court or on the field and let him play through it and work out the kinks or whether we need to let him sit down and watch it a little bit. Uh, that's a big thing in baseball. Sometimes you'll see a guy get a night off and you're like, why is he not playing? Well, he just needs to watch it for nine innings and just kind of de- decompress. Generally, though, I think in basketball, especially, uh, you, Debbie Antonelli says this all the time, and I love it. You know, if you're 0 of 20, just keep shooting. Just keep <laughs> shooting. Just keep shooting. But there is a caveat to that, right? There's a catch as long as you're playing the game the right way. You know, you're not just going to drift down the floor and every time you get the ball, fire a shot up. Like, you still have to play the game. You got to play within the offense. You got to play within the defense. You got to hustle. You got to rebound. You got to do all the little things that you need to do. But when it's time to shoot, shoot it. Don't be scared to shoot it just because, you know, you're not hitting those. Um, So I I think that's where this kind of falls again, Phil, is it's not necessarily always about the play. It's about how he's handling the play. And then then my, my final deal with this is, Right, wrong, or indifferent, always. Right, wrong, or indifferent. We're fans. We're media guys. We turn on microphones. We talk about it. You know, we we tweet. We Facebook. Whatever we do, we we sit at the bar and discuss with our friends. You know, we're the outside world. The head coach in any sport needs to handle it the way that he feels is best to handle it, regardless of what anybody says. And so, and and you know what, if if. If it comes to fruition that that was the wrong way to handle it, then that was the wrong way to handle it. But that's that's just part of coaching. You know, coaches, their job is to handle it the, the way that they see best to handle it, whether we agree or not. And and Lamont Paris, you know, part of being a big-time coach and handling big-time players, just like in any sport, is also being yourself. And while you are bigger than life, this logo matters more than you, and this is my decision, and 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 here is why I have made that decision, period, the end. And if somebody doesn't like it, then they don't like it, but it's kind of a matter-of-fact moment, you know? Like, I'm the coach, this is what I say, and this is what we're going to do, and if it works, it works, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and then we all have something else to talk about tomorrow, right? Uh, <laughs> that's just kind of where I, where, I, where I stand with all this. All right, I know we're five minutes past due, uh, so – We'll hit a break, Phil. We'll continue this conversation. Again, David Kloniger is coming up in a little while. We've got plenty of baseball. We've got some football to get to. Should be a lot of fun here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show brought to you by Express Sunrooms. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game Pops. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. 
Center in MLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Gamecock Nation, JB here, and I'm here to tell you about my new favorite painting company, A Couple of Painters. These guys are the best. Gamecock fans and excellent painters, and by far the best and easiest quote I've received. They're licensed in both South Carolina and Georgia. They offer 10% off for military, repeat customers, or if you heard it on the show, commercial and residential painting, deck, fence, and cabin staining, cabinet and furniture refinishing. They'll even remove popcorn ceilings and wallpaper, and they offer pressure washing. Find them on Facebook or call 803-522-6832. A couple of painters, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is former All-American shortstop Drew Meyer, and you're listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Go Gamecocks. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks. The show, everybody, is presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Give John Barber and his team a call, 803-446-4662, to talk to them about a potential outdoor retreat for your backyard. And the first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call, 864 414 She'll be happy to help you with all your upstate residential real estate needs couple of things to clean up here, JB. It is none other than Stephen Garcia's birthday. Happy birthday, Stephen. Oh, you should have had And, you know, I think from what I saw on social media, we missed, of all people, Meredith Taylor, Meredith McKellar's oh. birthday. So, oh, no. happy oh, birthday, no. Mayor, belatedly. I think it was like Sunday, if I recall. If you're listening, oh. Mayor, let us know we were wrong and we're sorry. <laughs> well, and I'm glad you just said that. Um I'm texting her back right now. She's sending me, she sent me a text this morning. I was on the phone when she texted me. She's sending me a couple of hats. Oh, nice. Um, and so, um, Meredith, if you're watching, check your phone. <laughs> <laughs> this is real, real, uh, just fascinating media here as I text somebody happy birthday live on the air. That's right. Um, well, looking at the uh, Nana's Porch chat box, we could pivot away from basketball for just a second because Sean comes in and asks, are there any re- commitments on the horizon? Is it reasonable with the efforts right now we could be doing a t- uh, seeing built? We could have a t- top 10 class. 
So speaking to the latter, as it stands right now in the class calculator at 24-7, has us ranked sixth with the current commitment list, Pringle, Gregory, Smith, Bennett, and Reno. Um, I don't know about any on the horizon. I, I, think, I uh, think potentially there could be one hanging in the wings here. Uh, we just don't have anything official or firm yet. Yeah, I think uh, so. Blake Franks may be announcing uh, early next week. And if that's mm-hmm. the case, that's probably a, a good chance to see at this point in time, as the intel tells us, uh, uh, South Carolina's next uh, commitment for 2024. I, I do know, based on a couple of things I've heard behind the scenes, um, I, I would think that this is this class has a has a decent shot by the time you get to summer to be in the double digits. To put it that way, um, <laughs> if that makes sense to everybody, I don't really Let's know what just see. happened here with my screen. I don't know. Oh yeah, you went you went green. Yeah, I went, I went <laughs> to the true green screen. I'm not. That's right. Yeah. Somebody somebody got uh, got sick and tired of 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 hanging hanging out with me here. It's okay. We'll throw it back to the Sarge. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll go back to the Sarge. Sorry about that. I'm trying um, to think here. You know, much talk's been been. been there's a lot of people out there projecting JV about. Um, the 2024 football schedule and how that's going to look and whether we're going to have one permanent opponent or three, I think that's still yet to be decided. If they're going to go with the three, six model and play nine conference games, which I am a fan of. I mean, I know it eliminates some of the, uh, you know, some of the potential cross conference, right. Uh, you know, games and things like that, especially with some of the more bigger pro- or some of the larger programs or more premier ones. Uh, you know, the Virginia Tech game, I'm thinking, I think, what's that, 2025 that kind of comes to mind. It, I'd hate to see that go away. I understand there will be a lot of, uh, you know, narratives and, and stories, much made of that game with Shane Beamer being the head coach of South Carolina. But it's interesting to kind of figure out who, you know, your permanents are going to be, right? Because <laughs> you want to yeah. know if you're going to have three of them, you know, who do you think? Yeah, I so – Phil, I don't think, um, regardless of what they swap the schedule over to, I don't think that the 2025 game in Atlanta is in jeopardy. No, that probably con- not. I, no, I, I think you're, you're, that's going to happen no matter what. Um, I mean, unless there's really something drastic that changes. I, I think what you'd be more looking at is the uh, 26th season when you host Miami. Um, you're going to return that trip. Uh, to the Hurricanes, uh, have they have they even set when the return trip is to Miami? Oh, I don't know. It's supposed to be a home and home, but um, oh, yeah, it's 2027, so next year. Uh, but they just uh, have not announced the date yet, and something tells me that might be why because they're waiting. Mm-hmm. What happens with the SEC? So you're talking about the Miami series. Um, you've got North Carolina 28 and 29. Those are home and home series. You've got NC State 30 and 31. Those are home series. I can I can almost guarantee you this. If you go to a nine-game league schedule, and I just hope to be alive in 2033, which is 10 years from now, you could probably go ahead and wipe out the trip to App State. 
That ain't yeah. getting rescheduled. <laughs> He's got nine SEC games plus Clemson. Shane Beamer or whoever the head coach is in South Carolina is not taking that football team to Boone, North Carolina. I'll, I'll go ahead and put some money on that today. Hmm. It shouldn't. I mean, I mean, come on. <laughs> Have we not learned our lesson yet? Yeah. <laughs> Can we I, not stop scheduling App State? I don't care who's coaching or whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, just get it off the schedule. <laughs> yeah, I, there's there's no re- – I mean, if you want to play App State at home, fine. There's no reason to go to Appalachian State. Uh, right now, they've got App State scheduled in 27, 29, and 34 at williams Bryce, And they're at uh, App State in 2033. As a matter of fact, if, wasn't that the game that was rescheduled from this year? Weren't they supposed to play at App State this year? Or was that next year? Oh, you know, there was there was one supposedly was one to be played as part of that. Yeah, that was agreed yeah. to what during the Spurrier era. Doesn't that go back all the way that far? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, that's that's how far in advance they sign these things. But oh, yet, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in college, college baseball, if you get a like during COVID, you know, you get a you, you miss a game. Oh man, they can't play this weekend because they got COVID. Oh well, we'll just go to wherever. You know, you pick one up overnight basically. But in football, you know, they schedule them twenty years in advance and. Half the fan base is dead by the time they even get around to playing the damn game, right. um, you know. So, but I, th- I think I, th- I think you can you could probably wipe that out. As far as the eight or nine, I have no intel as to what they're going to do. I know the league's pretty split on it. I did hear that uh, maybe last week or the week before. What should they do? Eight or nine games? I, I could probably say this pretty confidently, and you can all probably just read between the lines and figure this out. If they stay with the eight-game schedule, which means they would go to the 1-7 model, one permanent, seven rotating, or if they go to the nine and they keep three and then they rotate six, either way you're going to play every team in the league every couple of years, which is ten times better than it is now, plus you get to yes. go home and away every four years. I could, But reading between the lines, you could probably almost bet your house on the fact that Kentucky is going to be on your schedule every season. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you would figure, especially, uh, you know, with the growing narrative around the two programs right now, they're, you know, I guess in the eyes of everybody that knows more than we do, JV, you know, fairly equally matched year to year, program to program, football wise. So, um, yeah, I I think that just makes sense as having Kentucky as a permanent. I I think Missouri would be forced, uh, (laughs) you know, for us, which I, I, I didn't understand. I mean, I guess I could behind the scenes understand why they were put in the East anyway when they did enter the league, but, you know, geographically it didn't make any sense. Auburn should have come over this way. <laughs> yeah, I well, and if they do away, which it seems like that's where they're headed, is doing away with the divisions, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're going to – you're not going to have to – I don't know how to say this um, – if you if you do away with with divisions, you, you are. This is from from a scheduling standpoint. The way that they're planning to do this by doing away with divisions and just going to the the, the rotating model, the six or seven rotating model, it is much more fair for the entire league. Um, like I, I'm not big, so like I I have a I have a hunt. This is just my hunch. That if they go to the three-six model, I, I do think Georgia more than likely will probably fall annually on South Carolina's schedule. Who's the third one? I don't know. Is it is it Tennessee? Is it Florida? Um, you know, something like that. I, I don't know. 
But like, I think where I always maybe I think a little bit differently, Phil, from how a lot of people think in the fact that like, let's say let's say, for instance, South Carolina got hammered and they got Florida, Tennessee and Georgia on their schedule every single year in a three, six rotating model, which I don't think that's going to be the case. But let's just say that that that, that it was. Um, I'm not one of these people that says, oh, my God, that's that's ridiculous. We have to play those three every year because. You, you don't really ever know what what is going to happen with programs, especially with how the game has changed. With, you know, the fact that you, you can basically leave and transfer anytime you want to do that. NIL certainly has has shifted some of people's uh, decisions. And as they continue to clean that up, it will it'll change it even more. But like. I mean, are you scared of Florida right now? I know they beat South Carolina 30 to nothing, but like if I found out that they were on the schedule every single season, like. I wouldn't be terrified of that. I mean, no, it, honestly, it, since Spurrier got here, Florida, Florida's been one of the teams that Carolina's had some pretty good success against, actually. Yeah, even T- the Urban Meyer teams, you know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, t- I mean, Tennessee, as good as they were this year, I mean, not there there haven't been many programs in the SEC in the last 20 years, 20-plus years, that have been more inconsistent than the Volunteers. Um Georgia's the best team in the country, and there's no question about that. And I don't think that they're going anywhere at all. But we also don't know what the future holds. I doubt Kirby Smart wants to leave and go to the NFL or something crazy like that. But, you know, in a couple of years, if he's won another national championship, would he be a guy that would entertain actually following in the footsteps of Saban in Alabama just to see if he could do it? It's worth $200 million. Why not? Um, You know, so you just don't know how things are going to change ever. And um, and you don't know – like one year you might draw Auburn and A&M and Alabama and LSU and whoever and think that it's unbelievably difficult, just like coming into the 22 season. And then you find out, well, A&M really isn't that good this year for whatever reason that it may be. So however they do it, I just want it to be a fair model. I'm not really too concerned with what teams fall where because all of that stuff will consistently change because the sport is consistently changing in in many w- different ways not just one yeah oh yeah yeah i mean you got to figure there's going to be you know plenty of schools of thought around you know how to schedule the permanent opponents but uh, i think one thing is for certain that and i think 2020 kind of bared this out is that the sec at, at the top levels of the conference value the traditional in-conference rivalries a large deal, you know, just a great deal. So, you know, those those are probably going to be taken into consideration. Then you could look at it geography, you know, geographically to see which schools are closer um, and then kind of insinuate from there, project, a, make, a, make a, a reasonable projection as to who your permanent opponents would be. Uh, the Nana's Porch chat box, Quantrell. What's up, dude? Uh, what do you guys think about a home and home with Florida State? Both teams training up, and Doke is a pretty cool schedule. Uh, not too far in the – or pretty cool stadium, not too far away. Yeah, I, I, I like – see, I like games like that, personally. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that would be wonderful. I, I'd, I'd love to have a Carolina football team that was capable of paying them back for the – Peach Bowl and many other games in years past. Yeah, but, that's um, and we turned down a uh, a game against them. I think the setup was that another Spurrier thing. Was that that was like a, a an neutral opening site. neutral site? Yeah, yeah, like opening weekend kind of thing. Chick Fil A kickoff or something like that. Yeah, was it in either? It was either in Atlanta or Orlando. 
Um, and I can't remember what the reason was, but I but I remember that. Ryan says if it goes to nine, they should make everyone have to schedule an additional Power Five team. That's the only way to make it fair for Carolina, Kentucky, Georgia, and uh, Oklahoma if they keep Oklahoma State. I, I don't – have they made a decision on that? Oh, I'm not I sure either. I, I don't know. I hope they keep that game. Um there's I do too, and I mean, yeah, it's the like they're I'm you know, yeah, they're the old traditional Big Twelve rivalry. Should uh, you know? I don't know. Texas picks theirs back up with A and M just through default. I would assume that's going to be one of their permanents. You'd have to kind of assume that, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you want to you want to make sure that you, you know that what is it? The Red River Shootout? <laughs> no, no, that's... Uh, well, that's Oklahoma and Texas. That's Oklahoma and Texas, but uh, what do they call no. it? There, there's a name for that. Well, it's, you can't uh, call it the shootout anymore. Now, no, now well, you're, no, come on, yeah, listen. No, I mean, is, come on, Phil, you're, you're, you're way, you're out of, you're out of line. So, yeah, I forgot I'm awake, but not necessarily woke on certain things, so... <laughs> You'll have to forgive yeah. me, Jimmy. I did see. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Craig woke up. Uh, hey, Craig. <laughs> he said, uh, Brad Crawford said yesterday the SEC already knows the three permanent opponents and are still figuring out the other six on the schedule. Yeah, the yes. Brad Crawford is a good we, read. That is a good read. We, uh, I'd say you're on to something there. <laughs> How about that? Um, let's see here. We'll get one or two more in really quickly and then we will, uh, we'll hit another break in the sec from Jamie, 15 of the 16 teams can be really good or really bad. Any, uh, particular season. Yeah. You, you just, you know, you, you just, you just don't ever know how it's going to work out. And, um, and I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not sure how many people saw Lane Kiffin ended up at Ole Miss, and all right. of a sudden, you know, they become a team to compete with in in the SEC West, right? You know, so you know things can change. Uh, things can change pretty quickly. Uh, let's see here. I think I'm. Uh, Tay says zero cares about playing these ACC teams, and I'm an old guy that grew up with the U with South yeah. Carolina in the in the ACC. Yeah, look, there's a lot of people that share that, that share that opinion, I, and I totally understand that, and and I see and I see it through his eyes. Um, and then there's there's you know a new generation that that really have never seen that. Now I, I of course have watched this play, North Carolina State, Virginia, North Carolina, um, you know, a few times. I think we've played Virginia. I think I've been to three games against Virginia. Um, definitely the one in Williams Bryce when Corey Boyd Boyd hit that kid that never played again. Um, yeah. Went went up there. And then the bowl game, that was – I thought I forgot about that. I'm, I still haven't. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. Um, ben to Raleigh. Fortunately, did not get to witness that in person, so it's a little easier. It's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> been to Raleigh. Been to Chapel Hill. Uh, it was up there in 07. I thought we were going to blow the doors off of them. We were up 21 to nothing, and we won 21 to 15. <laughs> but um, but uh, somebody said earlier, the Florida State game, you know, we got Miami on the schedule. That is certainly a trip that I would – I would love to make. I've uh, mm-hmm. never actually spent true time in Miami. I know that the stadium is not in Miami, but I would probably go down and hang out for a couple of days in the city before going to watch the game. Um, outside of that, I think I agree with him. Any Anywhere – I mean, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, I'm sorry. I, I've always wanted to go to Lane and certainly look forward mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, but where else? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, I, I, I mentioned Florida State. I mentioned Miami. I mentioned Virginia Tech. 
Does anybody want to go to Boston College? I mean, or the Syracuse? Tra- tradition rich Georgia Tech. <laughs> I, I, now that's that that's um that's an interesting conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I've never been I have always heard that it's Grant Field, right? Mm-hmm. Like historic Grant Field. Like I, I I do I would like to see that just to say that I've been there. Am I hungry for that matchup? No, no. but you could bet your bottom dollar a ton of Carolina fans would be there. Tons. Oh of yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd look like a you know Vanderbilt game <laughs> where a majority of the crowd is going to be for you. But it's like uh, what Georgia does when Georgia uh, plays in yes. Atlanta. You know, you're like, you know, it's almost you can almost uh, mistake it as Sanford Stadium. All right, it's eleven forty-seven. We got to take our final break. Uh, of the hour, the Gigi Jackson conversation uh, will, will certainly continue. Plenty of football, plenty of baseball, and David Kloniger up in hour two. So hang tight. The Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios. We'll be right back. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Oh, easy. He's got a tire by the tail, he has. He better hang on, too. People have spoken. Nana's Porch was voted the third best food truck or trailer by the Charlotte newspaper Public Poll. Also, their pimento cheese mm, took third in a contest exclusively for products made in the state of North Carolina. I will let Noah Hall tell you about the rest. Nana's Porch, Southern Cuisine with an Uptown Twist. We're well into the new year and the days of being back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching. Many of us don't have the time to hit the gym, but Charleston Fitness Equipment can change that for you. Outfit your home with a treadmill, elliptical, or my favorite, a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world. They have free weights, home gyms, flooring, and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient. Located in Mount Pleasant, visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more. Get in shape like our Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks. Top Nation. Do you need a place to stay for the big game? Many hotel booking engines keep all the commissions, but at Fan Plans, you support inside the Gamecocks, still earn your hotel loyalty points, and you receive an email with direct confirmation from the hotel. Whether you are visiting Columbia to cheer on Carolina or hitting the road to follow the team, get in the stands with Fan Plans. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Uh, this is Coach O. Now back to the show. Go Tigers in the soul. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody, live from the Sinorama Studios in Columbia. And, of course, brought to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Give John and his team a call to talk about how they can bring some sunshine into your life, 803-446-4662. And Cindy Searfoss will be happy to get you settled into a home or sell the one you're currently in here in the upstate. Give her a call, 864-414-5271. Jamie pops in Bedlam. That was the name I was uh, so desperately searching for the rivalry between Oklahoma state and Oklahoma. 
Uh, let's see. There's something else I saw. Oh, Kreger, yeah, with the Murdoch trials. I know. <laughs> it really is kind of captivating stuff. My, yeah, my wife amazing. catches up on it when she gets home. Amazing. <laughs> what's, what's going on there? Yeah. Uh, no, well, what it, all, the, all the eyes in the country today uh, are on South Carolina. You know, probably five or ten million watching this show. And oh, then, yeah. Easy. You've got, um, you know, former Governor Haley announcing her presidential campaign about 20 minutes away from me. And um, you got the Murdoch trial going on, and there's still flashing images of uh, the F-16 that shot down the balloon off of the coast of, well, I guess. Was it Myrtle? Everybody says, everybody says yeah. Myrtle, but, I mean, I think it was more off of, like, Surfside. I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, or so, somewhere kind of in that area. Uh, Marion says he's been to Carter Finley. Marion, I, I remember the 99 game, Coach Holtz's first game. And we were up there, and Hurricane Floyd came through. Yeah. Uh, and South Carolina, I think, had 97 yards of offense that night, maybe. Oh, it was a debacle, and and I remember leaving the game. Uh, they had like it was literally like a cow pasture that you parked in. There were cars stuck everywhere. I mean, it was just a train wreck. Carolina's defense, I think a lot of people forget, in '99 was pretty good. Um, but but they they played seven quarterbacks, including a wide receiver, and I mean, it, 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 it's still amazing to me, Phil. It is amazing to me. Why does this keep happening? That. Um, we're getting that, failed uh, by technology today. Yeah, I know. It's there still amazing to me that um, that Coach Holtz's second year, they somehow went eight and four and <laughs> beat Georgia, beat Mississippi State, beat Ohio State. I, I still can't figure out how offensively that team did what they did after what they just couldn't do in 1999, which was literally anything. They couldn't do anything. Yeah. No, no. I mean, yeah, obviously the record would bear that out. But, you know, I think that speaks to even now when we're looking at the new scheduling format, it's like, hey, we're not, we're not, shouldn't be scared to play anybody, you know, because there's no telling where these teams are going to be two years from now, A. And then, you know, when all teams ebb and flow as they, uh, as we move forward, I think parity in college football is going to continue to increase with NIL and the transfer portal. Uh, the richer obviously going to get richer, yeah. Mm -hmm. And just then you're going to expand the playoff as well, and and that just gives more teams more opportunities to, you know, get recognition on the national stage and and attract better players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, yeah, there's 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 no doubt. So we'll see where this thing goes, man. Um, you know, I I, I I I keep hearing nine, but I also wouldn't be shocked for them to to end up keeping it at eight. Uh, I got a feeling we'll probably know something by by may and at the very latest they'll know by sec media days but um but we're gonna know pretty soon because they're working on the rest of the schedules now and i i think nine is probably where they're headed um i know a lot of the powers in the sec that's what they want some of the non-traditional powers would rather stay at eight we'll see who wins out there and and how greg sankey and his staff kind of uh kind of iron that out and and not spin it, but spill the news uh, to the to the public. Wherever you do go, though, or wherever you go in the next couple of years to watch Carolina play football or baseball or basketball, hopefully you and your friends will 
paint the town garnet and black and you can paint a room in your house garnet and black as well for not a penny if you head to facebook a couple of painters who paints our program garnet and black every day they're giving away a gamecock room which means they're going to paint the walls for you the colors that you want them painted and if you want it to be a gamecock room i'm kind of assuming you want it to be garnet and black <laughs> maybe a shade of white somewhere or maybe you could get with tristan and those guys and have them paint it just like the helmet if you're watching our program one of the neat logos they have is that it's the top of the South Carolina football helmet. That'd be pretty cool if you had a like a white walls with that going around it or something like that, Phil, instead of that doo doo brown that you have in the background. I know. I was just sitting here looking at my ceiling. It's got the you know, yeah. it's it's kind of perfect. You got the black in the middle, garnet on the edges, a little white. Yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe do a half and half. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm doing maybe I'm uh giving somebody an idea that Tristan's like, no, no, don't tell them that. (laughs) But if you win, y'all could figure it out. Head to Facebook. If you're on Facebook or maybe if your wife's on Facebook or whomever it is, just type in a couple of painters and make sure that you send them the message. You'll see it. It's right there. It's, it's pinned at the top of their page. It's, it's easy. It's not spam. They're not going to send you a bunch of marketing stuff, ask you to buy products or anything like that. Somebody's going to win a Gamecock room. We're going to announce it on the air on March the 1st, but make sure you go ahead and get in there and uh, and get registered. Uh, 1155, 76, does a couple of painters do work in the low country? Absolutely. They do. They, yes, sir. They're, they're here all the time. Uh, they are all over the state of South Carolina and Georgia, licensed and insured. Uh, they were just down here, as a matter of fact, 76. And, um, and, uh, so, and if you've got something you need painted, you don't actually have to wait on them to come down and quote it for you either. You can, you can call them, and and send them pictures. Like you can text the pictures to them if you want to, and they can quote you. That's how they quoted my house. It was two grand less than the other quote I had. Um, if you got a good memory or a pen, their number is eight zero three five two two six eight three two eight zero three five two two six eight three two. So certainly give them a call and and apply so you can win the uh win the fr- win the free gig there I-, I do have a couple of interesting baseball notes on this weekend phil that i'll wait and dish those out when we get back from break here in just a few minutes mm-hmm. um you know carolina of course is is widely expected to handle business against umass lowell they do return some talent, and I'll kind of tell you a little bit about those guys. But in particular, there is one stat that is really amazing, especially in today's day and age of college baseball. So you want to stick around for that. It, it's it, You just don't see it uh, often. And um, so hang tight. We'll get that to you. David Kloniger is coming up at 1220 uh, as well. As far as the, the GG stuff goes, we're going to continue to talk about that. And, of course, D.C., as we pointed out earlier, uh, did, were you following David last night on Twitter as he was kind of like, well, they're in the huddle and Gigi's not in it. He's kind of standing over on the side. Did you see all that? I called up on it this morning uh, being preoccupied with uh, Valentine's stuff last night. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, uh, cooked he, dinner and yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, this morning while I was scrolling through Twitter to get caught up on folks like that, I could see uh, his. Uh, yeah. And I like how he does that in game stuff. It's fun. That's uh, you really do get a picture of what's going on inside the inside the arena. Yeah. Yeah. Last night wasn't good. I, as far, and we didn't even talk about the basketball game in 76. I appreciate, he says he'll, when he goes to buy another home, he'll hit me up. I really do appreciate that. Hey, that yeah. uh, <laughs> my wife will be even more happy than I am. 
Um, thank you. It means <laughs> that means a lot. Um, as far as the basketball game goes, they're they're awful at home. I I I, I just can't figure it out, Phil. They're yeah, terrible. that's a, it's a road team. I mean, that's all I yeah. can figure because it's what seven straight at the CLA that the men's team has lost. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's and, and and it's just really never even close. I mean, last night, you know, it was like, oh, they're making a run, and you know, I'm I'm like, no, they're not. You know, it's they're the team that w- when you're beating them, you just kind of have to withstand the little run they're going to go on. You squash that, and then and it's over, and that's what happened. It, 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 they're just not good at home. If I'm, if I'm Coach Paris, I, I call every team left on the schedule and say, "Hey, look, we're just gonna come play in y'all's gym." <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Do, do you no mind? home games? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you mind? Would you Would you mind if we uh, only played at your place? Yeah. If, if you don't mind, we're gonna head your way. Uh, well, um, you know, however you want to do it, you, you let us know. And, um, yeah. and although we didn't beat Vanderbilt at home, but we gave them a heck of a better game when we were playing up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's you just it's, it's just all of it. I was flipping really through the channels. I, I got I rolled around to the game and it was uh, they were just heading into the half at 38. I think was eight thirty eight eighteen was the halftime score and immediately just went right on by. That's <laughs> just horrible. <laughs> And it's it, it is really really difficult to watch. All right, our one in the books, the Sinorama right. Studios, getting out of here. I actually going to try to get out and do some yard work today. I don't know about y'all. It started I, raining up here today a little bit, so uh, we've had plenty heading your way. <laughs> I, I I I'm like. I'm big on the yard and I hate weeds and um, I can't look at these things anymore. So I'm going to, I'm going to get out there and do some damage. Uh, so everybody let's make this a fun final hour before I'm outside sl- slaving away in the, the grass and the been over pulling weeds. I know. That's right. Sign right. on the preferred sign partner of Gamecock athletics. Hang tight. Hour two is coming up. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, all of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. 
in-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. You're tuned into Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Sideline is picked off. Brad Edwards will get a convoy. Touchdown, South Carolina. Chickens got some racial spurs, spurs, spurs. You ain't just a bird, bird, bird. You're top of the coop, star of the show. You're a rooster who's born to crow. I bet you wonder when, when you win or lost a step or two. Fell down the deck in order, couldn't fight. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody, presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Give John a call, 803-446-4662, to talk about a potential porch or patio enclosure for your home for this summer. I'm sitting here scrolling through these... Uh, Nano Sports chatbot comments. I think we've got big, pretty much. Big wash, I'm with you, man. Well, that's what drive, me nuts. drive me nuts. <laughs> like, me I'm nuts. Like, yeah, I'm not one. I mean, I've got, I've, got, I've got two dogs, you know. Like, I'm not one of these crazy anal people about having a perfect yard. But I want my yard to be nice. Um, I will say it, it does royally piss me off when I, I we're working the backyard with new zoysia. And I lay it down, and then, like, I can't really get mad at him because he's my boy and he just turned 15. But Capers kind of lugs his way out there and pees right on my brand-new grass and turns yellow. I'm like, yeah, damn it. You know? <laughs> oh, man. Like, he looks at me like, what I mean, what do you want me to do? <laughs> oh, there's five or six neighbors in my neighborhood who have that little sign out in their yard with the little dog on it. Like, no, don't go here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> don't go here. Don't go here. Yeah. I, that happened to me one day, not in this neighborhood, in another one. Somebody, st- my dog. It was, it's the sliver of grass between the, the um, sidewalk and the street. You know. Yeah. Which, right. By the way, I've never understood that ever. Like I, because I have that in front of my house. I live on. We live on a corner, and I have to take care of that. But yet, I go to other parts of the country, and they just put the sidewalk right on the road. You know, right. like I mean, it just makes more sense. But anyways. But I, that might we did that happened to me a few years ago, and I was walking capers, and and he, um, he took a leak, and this lady came outside and said, "You're gonna clean that up." I said, "Clean what up?" It's she. He didn't take a dump on your grass. He peed in it, and she didn't. You see the sign? I said, "No, ma'am." Well, he can't go there. He needs to go on your own grass. I said, "Well." Next time he's gonna piss in your driveway. How about that? Yeah, about that. How about, about to walk him right up to your porch, lady? <laughs> you know? like, come on, man. I mean, yeah, I think he was like twelve years old at the time. I was like, come on, man, this is my twelve year old. He's barely getting around. Like, yeah, right. Look at this dog. It's a wonder that he made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, yeah, you got to love pretentious neighbors. Some some people just, <laughs> just yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and if it's uh, that strip between the road and the sidewalk, that's not her grass anyway. That's the other thing. It was like, that's just, yeah, that's not even yours. It's a county easement more than likely. So, 
either you don't have to take care of it, but if you want your yard to look good, obviously that looks like an extension of your yard. So you got to take care of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I will. I, now I, on that note though, it, to, to Saunders point, he says the best is when someone's dog is taking a steamer in your front yard and they smile and wave at you. WTF. Yeah. You know, that, now that's true. Like don't, yeah, look, man, I'm not going to let my dogs, you know, drop a load in your in your grass. You know, like I, people have kids, they take care of their lawns. Like, I'm very respectful of that. I, I get it. And I don't want someone to do that to me. But that's happened here before, too. You're like, I mean, you see, I, I was literally outside and the dog, you know, they, they were going that way. And I was like, we live on a corner. I was looking this way and they, they didn't even know I was looking at them. I was like, hey. Like, oh man, sorry, I didn't have any bags. I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you just go so if you forget off, the huh? bag, do you go back and get it as a responsible dog owner, JB, <laughs> or just leave it there? Uh, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Good fertilizer. I, I, no, I go get it. I, <laughs> yeah, I go get it. <laughs> yeah, I go get it. I go get it. All right. Uh, a couple of things to get to in. Um, in in baseball here let me let me point out some new if you haven't heard about this the sec major league baseball has got a bunch of new stuff going on this year from a rules standpoint the sec does uh as well these are rules that are intended to speed up conference games 30 seconds only i mean you'll have a 30 second mound visit clock now I, I'm going to need to get some, should ask Monty this yesterday. I need to get some clarification. I am assuming that 30 seconds starts once the pitching coach establishes communication with the pitcher. And it's, I, 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 but I do want to see the language because it can't start. Everybody is not my man, Skyler Mead. You know, Skyler sometimes would book it out there. He'd almost run to the mound quicker than the guys run on the field. Um, you know, so you can't start the clock when you announce that you're going to, um, uh, establish a visit with your, with whoever's on the mound. Cause sometimes it takes these guys 20, 30 seconds to get out there. So I'm assuming it's communication, but I'm also assuming Phil, that it's not just when you step on the dirt, unless they have a rule that says the pitcher can't step off of it. Because no, if that was. If that was the case, then you would just stand out in the grass and talk to them. And, you know, that's that's what it appears it looks like they're going to have to do <laughs> because yeah. it is, according to it, it's like, uh, let's see, shall begin when a coach exits the dugout or well, when impossible. a defensive, yeah, when a defensive player leaves their position to visit the mound. So well, that's that's impossible. I mean, yeah. there's no way they're going to be able to enforce that. that that's, yeah, and then the two thirty. But I know it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. There's you said it's wait say that that's you're talking about. No, no, no. Yeah. So two thirties for a pitching change when you announce no, no, no. The yeah, but two thirty. Yeah, thirties for the mound visit. Yeah, the thirty mound visit, thirty second timer on a mound visit shall begin when a coach exits the dugout or when a defensive player leaves their position to visit the pitcher's mound. Unless the coach signals for a pitching change, the coach must leave the mound when or before the timer expires. Okay, so you 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 don't account for the trip back. <laughs> well, 
they're, they're giving you, they're going to clock you going two. Then you, you step off of the mound at 29 and you can take however long, you know, talking to them on your way back. This, this, this ain't going to work. It's I, crazy. I know I, it's nuts. I, yeah, there's got to be more to, there's got to be something in there. I know you're reading the rule, but there's got to be some type of leniency because there's no way that you're going to have a pitching coach who's going to fire himself out of the dugout and try to get to the mound and not, you know, just a few seconds for, you know, 20 seconds to talk. I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you might have a coach. What if, what if your pitching coach has a, you know, is hurt? I mean, it's not just players get hurt. I mean, so what if he twists an ankle and he's just a little hobbly getting out of the dugout? I mean, I yeah, right. Yeah. What if he's an older guy? I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is a little that's, slower. This ain't gonna work. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's gonna get thrown out of the damn ball game for being told to go back to the dugout once they just got to the mound. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. Um. That okay. Uh. We'll, yeah, because the same timer starts on the pitching clock, uh, the pitching change clock. So. Uh, the 2.30 does not begin when the uh, reliever arrives on the mound. It actually is when they leave the bullpen. So the second they step out of the bullpen, the 2.30 starts to count. After the end of the 2.30, they'll get the 20-second pitch clock, and you better have it across the plate. See, these are things that <laughs> – that, like, I, I – okay, and you've got 30 seconds between batter's clock. All right, yep. so – all right, so what happens? Coach Tanner used to do this all the time, all the time. You know, you get a guy who's headed to the plate, and you call him back, and you pinch hit, or you call him back to talk a little bit of strategy with him. Like, baseball still has strategy in it. People get that, right? So I don't know if these were unanimous. If There's no way that every coach in the league voted for this because – I mean, you're t guys, we're talking about a few seconds. Like, if we're really that hard-pressed on saving maybe a few seconds, come on, man. I mean. Well, that was going to be my question to you, JB, is like, is this, is this addressing the root cause of these games going long? <laughs> well, I mean, look, games go long because strikeouts and walks are up. And that's right. one of the things that pisses me off to no end. This is Major League Baseball has missed on this as well. Mm -hmm. and But let me tell you why you're never going to hear the truth, because it's money. That's why, okay? Because uh, I mentioned this to Monty yesterday. This is the truth. I've had two big leaguers tell me this, okay? If you hit 230, but you hit 30 home runs, you're going to get paid, all right? But yeah. if you hit 290 and you hit 10 home runs, you ain't get paid like the 230 guy who hit 30 jacks. All right, so in lieu of strikeouts, hitting home runs makes you more money. On the on the on the pitcher side of things, if you actually look at the stats over the years, you're talking about there's there in in the big leagues now. There's nine strikeouts per game, and over three walks per game, and that doesn't include hit by pitches. All right, so and and con so contact is down. Well, contact is what keeps the game moving. That's baseball. So, like, the power game has lengthened the ball game. When 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 strikeouts, and when I say nine strikeouts per game, guys, I'm talking about nine strikeouts per team per game, not total. So you're talking about if it's nine per game in the big leagues, 
you're talking about 18 strikeouts on average per game. All right. And you're talking about six walks on average per game. That's 24 hitters who went basically the almost or pretty much the full length of an at bat, either via walk or strikeout. Right. So yeah. that that's where the game is going to lengthen itself. I mean, and if you go back over the years and back to when it was five or six strikeouts per game and maybe one or two walks per game because it was less about power and more about pitching or less about power and more about hitting on the offensive side, that's when your games move faster. But you can take this all the way back to 1998, Bill. I'll, I'll never get off of this horse. Like, again, as I mentioned earlier, there are some things that I want to be careful about, and then there's some things that I know. This I know. Ma- Major League Baseball, and it's the trickle-down effect 25 years later, we're paying for it. M- Major League Baseball... You talk about the steroid era. Okay, we're not naive, right? We all knew that Major League Baseball allowed that to happen. The question is why. And they, why? Because the home run brought the game back. The strike of 94 decimated Major League Baseball. Uh, From an attendance standpoint, from a popularity standpoint, you know, you didn't have Twitter and all this stuff back then. Like, you, you, you really didn't have anything. You just had people that were just pissed off. And they just stopped going to games. And so you had to figure out a way to bring the game back. So well, what happened? Well, you had the home run chase of 98. Everybody knew Big Mac was on the juice. Everybody knew Sosa was on the juice. Everybody knew Bonds was on the juice when he hit 7,000 home runs. Uh, that's, why I that's why I think those guys should be in, in the Hall of Fame. Not They did cheat. But Major League Baseball let them cheat. They'll never admit that. Mm-hmm. But the game shifted to a power game then is what happened. And yeah. so... And it's you know, not like defense wasn't using it either. I mean, you can see it in the pitchers too. So, I mean, you know, the playing fields was level. <laughs> that's right. From a steroid you know? perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You got juiced up guys throwing to juiced up guys. So it's like, hey. Yeah. I mean, and, and so like in Major League Baseball now, Phil, like we just mentioned these, I, I think these are kind of ridiculous moves uh, in, in the SEC. I, I do agree with the 10 run rule after seven thing. I know every coach signed off on that. And you're, you're in this trend now where it's like, let's not throw arms that we're going to use again tomorrow out there. Let's just throw a short stop out there and let him finish the game. Um, so might as well just end the ball game if that's where you're, you're basically throwing in the towel anyways. But like in Major League Baseball, you know, you've got – okay, so there's they're stopping the shift, right? You have to have two infielders on each side. Fine, I'm okay with that. I mean, Smokes told me time and time again, I'm sick and tired of hitting a ball in the hole and having a second baseman standing in shallow right field throwing me out. Like it's just a joke. You know, so so like I, I understand like a lot of the shift stuff and things like that. I understand going three inches larger on the bases if it's a safety issue, but like limiting pickoffs, don't understand that. I mean, how are you going to control the run game? Uh the eight second rule where batters have to be in the box with eight seconds left on the on the pitcher's clock. Yeah. Don't understand that. Like, that doesn't make any sense. What if he gets a bug in his eye? What if he needs to tie his shoe? What if he needs to address, adjust an elbow pad? What if he missed a sign? I mean, like, so you know, it, it, what it does is it leaves this gray area for trying to determine what happened. Well, then what happens? Coach comes out, gets pissed off, he gets chucked, you know, over these rules that they've, quote, tested in the minor leagues over the years. But those are the minor league guys. These are the big leaguers. Like, these guys don't care what happened in the minor leagues, although they all played there. They've earned their way to the big leagues. They're going to argue tooth and nail until they get their way for some of these ridiculous rules. So back to the the point, 
if you want to speed the game up, then you need to pay the guys to do the things that the game was built on, which are throw strikes and hit the baseball. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I I do not like the current iteration of the game. I'm not I'm not big on you know either feast. I don't like the feast or famine batting attempts. Uh, you know, I think a lot's lost for you know situational hitting. I mean, you know, you're not. Well, you think about, uh, but I guess one of the the more recent uh, you know kind of slappy guys, if you will, you know, you think about Ichiro Suzuki, right? So it was like the guy was not known for knocking it over the fence. I mean, that just wasn't his game. But, I mean, his on-base percentage was probably leading the league. <laughs> you know, his number of hits. I mean, you know, you, you got to think about it. It's yep. just, that's the way I like it better. You're advancing runners. It gives you the opportunity. And the, here's the other thing. They, these guys in the majors, they don't know how to run the, they don't know how to run the damn bases, JB. Wow. <laughs> a base running it, the art of base running itself is lost yeah. just completely because they don't there's not they don't get to experience it enough and it, it just makes me upset I, I, I love baseball i played it you know until i stopped <laughs> and then you know i mean it just uh it's always always had a held a, a big spot in my heart um but the way the game is now it's just it's frustrating to watch for me well, and, and to back up, I know we got to go because Cloninger's up next. Uh, to back up the point I was making a minute ago, Whit Merrifield said this two years ago, and he was dead on the money. Dead on. He said literally almost word for word what I just said. You want to speed the game up? Pay guys to, to make contact and stop paying guys to strike out and hit home runs. Yep. I mean, he said it on national television. And he got, he got you know, he got a little heat for that. But Whit wasn't lying because yep. the – the Whit Merrifields of the world, like there's not a ton of those guys that still exist in big league baseball. And um, and and he he was, I thought, exactly right. Zach does ask in the Nana Sports chat box, do they use the earpieces to make pitch calls in college now, or is that just major league baseball? In the SEC, in SEC games, they do. Um, and some of the other leagues have that rule as well. But like you'll see Coach Coach Parker give signs maybe in a midweek game, and then on the weekends, you'll see somebody hearing it in the earpiece. And um and uh, they've kind of kind of shifted that model. All right, and the stat I mentioned that I teased before we went to break um, with UMass Lowell coming to town this weekend. First and foremost, Phil, they don't play a home game until March the twenty second. Their first seventeen games of the year are basically down south, uh, which is how you have to schedule when you play in Massachusetts because yeah. you're you're full of snow. Their top three hitters do return. All of them hit well over three hundred last year, and two of their top three starting pitchers return. So. You know, they're, they are going to roll out a decent product this weekend at Williams, at Williams Price, at Founders Park. But how about this? Two of their top three hitters last year combined to steal 83 bases, Phil. One of them stole 46 on his own. Of course, that means the other one stole 37, so they ran about the same. The Gallagher kid was 37 of 43. Humphrey, 46 of 47. He wow. was thrown out one time. One time. <laughs> in 56 games. So, needless to say, I, I I think these guys are all at the top of the order, one through three. Yeah, if right. you get these two dudes on base, they're going to run and, and test the young catchers. 
of South Carolina this weekend. So certainly something to keep an eye on. 46 stolen bases. Uh, of course, they don't play in the SEC. That's That number is going to drop a little bit when you play better competition. But that is just unbelievable. Uh, no doubt, it. no so, doubt. So. But we got uh, we got DC here waiting in the wings. Let's run a quick break here and bring him in. Sounds good. We'll see y'all with David Cloninger after this. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell, Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone sent you. This is Freshman All-American, Nicky Warrior of the Carolina Gamecocks, and you are listening to The Show with JC and Phil. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show brought to you by Express Sunrooms in Columbia. Give John and his team a call, 803-446-4662. They'll be happy to talk to you. Mention you heard it here and decide to go with the project. They'll give you $500 off. And we are joined now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than D.C. David Cloninger of Charleston Post and Courier. David, how you doing? Not bad, Phil. JB, great to see you, man. It's been a long time. I know, man. I thought I was getting out, but 
We pulled him yeah. right back in. <laughs> you know the line, man. It's yeah. hard to leave. <laughs> how are you? How how how's your son doing? He's doing great. Yeah, he turned three uh, last month, so he's oh definitely my. keeping me on my toes. Oh, Starting yeah. to throw with his left now, which I don't know where he got that from, but I'm glad to see it. I uh, already reached out to Michael Roth, and he said, "Man, when he gets of age, I'll be glad to show him a few things." So. <laughs> That's Daddy's little retirement fund coming coming forward in a few years. They <laughs> can yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> Just got to keep the golf club out of his hands. That'll mess up your rotator cuff real quick. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but you got to know how to play golf though, because it's the only thing you can play forever. That's true. Maybe that's why I never got into it. I'm like, ah, I, I get mad enough watching the Braves on TV. There'd be no telling what I'd do on a golf course. <laughs> That's right. uh, what do you right. mean clubs aren't disposable? That's <laughs> hey, uh, like, you know, smoke, smoke's got a 10 standing tea time every day at 1020 DC. You know, if you call in between like 10 o'clock and three o'clock, you ain't gonna get him. Yeah. Oh, I just got off the course. I'm like, is that all you do? Yeah. <laughs> Once he got back from Japan, it was golf, hunt and fish. That, that's, that's it, it man. That's, that's Good it. old smoker, man. I had a great career. He is, uh, he is, he is something special. There's no doubt. All right. So, you know, I mean, you know what the elephant in the room here is. Everybody has almost glossed over the fact that the Gamecocks have only won nine games this year in basketball, but the, the story of Gigi Jackson just continues to not go away. I, I was following you on Twitter last night because you had the eyeballs in the arena. So, so what did you see and what do you make of it today? Well, obviously he didn't start again, which I kind of figured is half, punishment for the little Instagram live fiasco, maybe some with how he acted uh, for the Ole Miss game. And then some, because quite frankly, as bad as the Gamecocks are, they're still playing worse with him on the floor. They're playing better at present without him on the floor. So maybe that had something to do with it. But everything was fine in the first half. You know, he didn't play a lot, but the, the whole team played bad in the first half. I mean, they were allergic to rebounds, and that's what pushed Vandy up by 20. Uh, but then in the second half, he didn't start. He comes in on the first sub. USC's on a bit of a run. They immediately get knocked out of that run. No fault of Gigi Jackson's. It was, again, just the team kind of fell down on what they'd done to get on that run. So Lamont Paris called another timeout, about 14 minutes to go in the half. They're having the huddle over there, and all of a sudden I see Gigi kind of pop up, go over to the edge of the huddle. One of his teammates, Javon Benson, kind of puts a hand on his chest like, hey, slow down, you know. Gigi continues to stand at the end of the huddle while all the rest of his teammates are in it. And then he starts ripping off his wrist tape and throwing that away. And then just kind of sits down on the end of the bench and slouches and, you know, doesn't, doesn't engage with anything. Does come back in the game for about 90 seconds, then sits down for about the final 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, he was standing up occasionally, clapping for his teammates occasionally, but otherwise it was just, I'm done, you know, don't talk to me. So, you know, ask Lamont Paris, he said, hey, I didn't even see that. I was busy coaching the guys on the floor, which says a lot without saying a lot, you know, saying like, look, I'm going to coach the guys who want to be here and who we're actually having a chance to win with. And if that includes Gigi, fine. If not, that's fine too. But right now this is becoming quite a second little scene. I go to every men's game now knowing I'm going to have to write a story about what happened in the game and a story about what Gigi Jackson is doing, because that's now four incidents where something like this has happened. And, uh, you know, 
I'm not saying that there needs to be answers because Lamont Paris, it's his program. He's, he's do what he wants with it. He seems to be handling it well. But I think there's a lot of fans out there who are thinking, what exactly is going on with this young man? Because at some point, you got to quit using the excuse of I'm 18 and don't know any better to what am I learning from my mistakes? Yeah, that's what I was going to point to is that, you know, from the outsider's perspective, David, what we're what we kind of, you know, are feeling is it was like, OK, where, where do you draw the line on? OK, this is just an immature kid. And when are we going to expect to see a bit of growth and maturity? Uh, you know, I mean, not just because I mean, we we don't know what he's like outside of, you know, playing on the court or, you know, his demeanor there. We don't get to see him in practice, you know, things of that nature. But we as fans tend to project what we see on in that public, you know, showing on court as to, you know, how this man is in real life. And and and, you know, is it where do you draw the line between maturity and 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 the way Paris is supposed to be kind of wrangling that in from a coach's perspective? Well, that's it. And, uh, you know, none of us know what, what Gigi is like as a young man, what he's been through, uh, you know, as a basketball phenom from a very young age and always told that he's the best, whatever. The problem is, is that, you know, once, okay, you're willing to forgive it. The second time he did apologize for the day after, okay, fine. But now there's the third time and now there's a fourth time. So when's it going to end? And, you know, with Lamont, it's like, well, you're not going to kick a player of that caliber off. Because what's going to happen there? All you're doing is hurting yourself. And then with the young man, he's saying like, well, you know, he can't come back. He can't go pro. He can't go to the G League. He could transfer. Who knows what he wants to do? But the fact is, is that it's not helping this team in any way. Now, I said from the beginning, I think you guys all knew, Gigi's a, a outstanding talent. But even with him, the Gamecocks were not going to be good this year. They just do not have the horses to be good this year. Maybe that's some of that kind of leading into his frustration, which is fine. If you're frustrated because your team's not playing well, you're not making your shots, that's fine. Sit on the bench and at least act like you're engaged. But all the little you know, public displays, untying your shoelaces while the game's on, pouting in your locker while your teammates are celebrating because they haven't won a game in a month. But every one of them is jumping up and down like they just won the national championship while you're sitting there. That's got to stop because it's just not a great look for him or for this basketball program or for his first-year coach who's really trying to do a whole lot that, quite frankly, they're not capable of doing right now. That's not a knock on him. It's the hand he was dealt. But it's one of those things that starts to creep out of like, hey, why didn't this situation get handled better than it did while you were in your first year there? Because that's going to affect the second year. You kind of you kind of touched on a little bit of where I was going next. Uh, David Kloniger with the Post and Courier, one of the best writers you'll 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 find out there. By the way, Andrew, uh, Coach Kingston will meet with the media tomorrow at twelve thirty uh, to to uh, to kick off the twenty three baseball season. Um, well, we we heard Michi last night. Michi says he's like a little brother, and and you know certainly going to support him and things of that nature. But I mean. I, I, I don't ever want to put words in anybody's mouth or anything like that, but have you heard at all, you know, how his teammates kind of view the situation and, and what's going on behind the scenes with the guys actually put the uniform on? I've made a few, uh, you know, inquiries, I guess. I haven't gotten back anything of substance. Probably a lot of people are just saying, you know what, like, look, the season is coming to a close. You're supposed to leave all of everything that happens in the locker room within the locker room. So I don't think anybody is just – red hot wicked angry about what he's doing and is going to be willing to speak to a reporter about it but i also 
I'm pretty sure that not everybody's just okay with it saying, that's all right, just ignore it. I mean, I don't think you can do that. So there's probably a mix of both, but, um, you know, I don't have anything definitive to say like player X sure doesn't like it. But, you know, I'm sure there are some guys on that team who have been playing ball for a while like, what are you doing, man? I mean, if I had your talent, I mean, there'd be no stopping me. But it's just a case of. Oh, David, you're muted for some reason. Sorry. Uh, yeah, there you go. No, you're good. <laughs> but um, you just hope that, you know, he, he starts to see the error of his ways and comes out of it. And, you know, no one expected him to be around for more than one year anyway. So we'll see how that goes. But that's a, still a few games away to be decided. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Like when you look at it, broad the broad picture perspective there, David, does, does the NBA care? <laughs> no, well, and, you know, because we knew we have him on loan, right? I mean, we, right. I mean, you know, so, all the talent talent one one no, the, yeah. The fact <laughs> is, though, is that, and you know, the NBA obviously is equipped to deal with egos because you're paying these guys a lot of money to play a game. And I've always said that the worst uh, profession on earth, outside of being a sports writer, is an NBA head coach because you know you're trying to help these guys, but they don't have to listen to you. No, <laughs> so I'm sure that you know it's not pleasing to see uh, some some things that are going on to an NBA scout, but the talent's probably going to overweigh it. What you just hope though is that nobody is going to say, "I don't know about that kid. Is he coachable?" As you and I both know, Phil. Once you get that term "uncoachable" stapled to you, it's really hard to remove it. Very hard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's and I hate to see that for him because it was like because we all know if you do get that tag put on you, then, yeah, you start to get a bit of a stink (laughs) and people want to stay away from that. Well, shifting gears to baseball, we've had Coach King on. Monty was on yesterday. Everybody's, you know, I think word around the campfire is we've got some uh, really good pitching going into this season. Right. And the big question mark for everybody, as it was with last year, is. Are we going to be able to hit the ball? So what what are your early uh, early thoughts on how the baseball season is going to look, David? Well, you know, popping in and out over at Founders for the scrimmages, I've seen a lot. You know, of course, there's always going to be some you expect, some you don't expect. The pitching should be just fine. Now, I'll just go ahead and say it. You know, I said that last year, and an act of God happened where yeah. three of the top four pitchers were gone by game eight. So you're just hoping against hope that nothing of the sort happens, although they're already down two pitchers. Uh, due to Tommy John surgery. So, you know, things happen, but that's going on a lot. Arkansas and LSU each lost two of their top guns this weekend for the same reason. So, Mm -hmm. but in terms of answering your question, I had an idea of a starting lineup going into the first preseason scrimmage. I looked at it today, maybe two of those guys (laughs) will start on Friday. That's how much (laughs) these three weeks have changed things. I mean, some guys have really unexpectedly struggled. Some guys have come in and saying, like, you know they're going to play him, but what's going to happen there? Another guy that, you know, started almost every game last year at this point would not start. So there'll be a lot, as there always is, of subbing in, subbing out over this first series, over these first couple of weekends to see who gives you your best top-to-bottom lineup because, you know, last year the pitching played a huge role in how bad the season went. But it was also a case of, again, why isn't this team capable of hitting the ball? The offense under Mark Kingston has not been good, and it's got to change. You hopefully, with Monty Lee on staff, it will, and for the better, because with the pitching they have now, Phil, it is a case of 
look, just get me one. Get me one run, and we'll be okay. <laughs> It's so that's of, what I was saying, saying last week. Yeah. yeah, what Tom Glavin said to his teammates in game six in the 95 series, get me one because they ain't getting any. They'll no, have yeah. that a lot of the mm-hmm. night. But you still got to get go get that one. So we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, again, <laughs> there's been a lot of surprises in preseason practice right now. I mean, just to throw out one name, I mean, Talmadge LaCroix, who played a little last year, I know he's probably going to get some looks. He's been playing really well and probably made himself into a starter uh, right now, where before I think he probably would have been, eh, he, he'll split some time at catcher. But <laughs> right now it's like he could be out there as your starting third baseman. So we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, there's I guess the last scrimmage was yesterday, but you can still do some inner squad work. It may be a surprise right on up to an hour before first pitch. Yeah, that it really should be. It's interesting you bring up Leroy because that was one that uh, Coach King mentioned as well as you know some of these kind of oncoming players and things like that. And I think, you know, sometimes when you see the word platooning <laughs> in regard to defense, people get a little scared, and it's like, oh great, we don't know what's going on. But I think in this instance, you're you know especially as you're trying to improve the hitting year over year uh, to get different guys out there, and it gives you the ability to kind of shake things up and shift it with different lineups early on and. And fortunately, schedule wise, you're not staring down a huge, you know, you know, outside of the Clemson series, uh, not a big another division one, you know, schedule killer, you know, (laughs) like Texas in years past or things of that nature. I mean, we've got Charlotte. So, yeah, let's watch out for that. But, um, you know, just looking at the schedule, I think things shake up favorably to, to actually put something together here. Well, sure. And I think this schedule was put together specifically for this team. You didn't have to agree to anything really far in advance outside of uh, the rivalry series. And the main thing is that there's so many new faces, particularly from an offensive side, that you have to go ahead and try to take it easy. I mean, Mark Kingston knows the deal, as all SEC coaches do. You go 15 and 15 in the league, you in the tournament. That's simple. So what you got to make sure is to do, don't spit the bit during the non-conference series. Don't have a bunch of bad losses dragging you down. So that's where, you know, nothing against those baseball programs, but you look in there where you've seen a Texas or a North Carolina before, and now you got UMass Lowell and Bethune-Cookman and Penn, which I was like, Penn has a baseball team? Yeah, there's a <laughs> Right. I mean, I remember 1979 Final Four pin, but (laughs) that's okay. Great. Hey, you know, come on down. But you have to put that kind of schedule together, get your kids some confidence, get it together. And so you can figure out your lineup because once the SEC gets here, you know, it's never going to be easy, no matter who you play, no matter what weekend you play. I mean, I still remember, I guess it was two years ago or maybe three years uh, where it was like, boy, Gamecocks first series, first tour at Vanderbilt and host in Florida. They're going to be 0-6. What are they going to do? Came home 4-2, and two, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy things happen. It's baseball. So we'll, we'll see if they can keep happening. For sure. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what y'all talked about while aliens <laughs> invaded my uh, technology around here. So hopefully it was your trial. You're talking yeah. about your beard, yeah. You need to grow that out. Scrape it off a few times, let it come in. You know? <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> You're going to need it, man. I mean, you know these February games at Founders? It gets chilly yeah. once the sun goes down. I mean, you got your winter coat, got a scarf wrapped around your head. Oh, it's, it's going to be brutal once the sun goes down on Friday night. Well, it's, tip, it's typical baseball weather, D.C. You know exactly how it works. You get the rain that all of a sudden moves into the end of the week, and then mm-hmm. the temperature goes 
straight down the. Then you, you get that foul tip off a handle, that aluminum belt or bat, mm. feel it yeah. all the way up your spine. Mm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. If, if you're if you're in the stands, good thing they serve alcohol now. So let me let me ask you this. Um, obviously, a healthy staff, uh, but I I think a lot of people maybe just need to be just be, need to be reminded, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I had to remind myself they played so many young guys last year. Yeah. There was a ton of them. Um, I, we talked to King last week, talked to Monty yesterday and, you know, they're, they're ecstatic about like where a guy like Carson Horning is, yeah. but I mean, just personally speaking, I know you've been around some scrimmages and, and you've talked to all these guys who are, who are you, you know, you, you can include transfers in this if you'd like, but of the guys that we've gotten to know over the last year or two, especially offensively, who are you most excited to see, or who's really intriguing, uh, somebody that's very intriguing as to what the success of this program might look like this season. Well, obviously, Jamie, you, you don't go out hitting the transfer portal as hard as they did without expecting those guys to play. You know, Roman Kimball was going to play a big role. Well, he's going to have to have Tommy John surgery. That's that's unfortunate, but you've got the pitching to handle that. So how did you go about with the other transfers? You had to go get hitters. And no matter where they come from, Southern Miss or Memphis, and they got three guys from Clemson, and we'll see how that goes, and also Monty Lee to come and work with the hitters. So looking at it right now, you look at a Gavin Cassis, you look at a Caleb Denny, guys who have done it before on a big level and are going to be expected to, to do it again. Carson Horning, as you mentioned, I didn't know if he was going to be able to play in this preseason spring because he had a really bad hamstring pull in the fall, but he was out there and he looks terrific. He'll probably start. And then you have some old standbys like Braylon Wimmer, who kind of takes over the Andrew Eister role of last year, be like, uh, you know, going up to him on media day, like, are you still here? <laughs> you know, one of those kind of things. <laughs> yeah, He's like, yeah, man. I was like, ah, I'm glad to see you, you know, because you're the guy that's been around. But then Evan Stone, who, who played a little bit last year and really came on at the end of the year. And then Michael Braswell, who played very well as a freshman last year. He's not had a great spring. So I think if the season were to start tomorrow, he wouldn't start but he's going to be in there because you know what he can do, at least from a defensive level. So there's a whole lot of those names that they can kind of plug in place. But as I said, you don't go out in the transfer portal and not go get guys who are going to play. That's why they came here. So we'll see how it goes. Um, Cole Messina, obviously a Somerville kid. Uh, when, when he first signed, I think when I was talking with his coach, he said he used this term, that kid is a whiz-bang ball player. But that sounds good. I'm not really sure what that means. Okay, but I mean, he had a, a few chances, you know, last year, but this is the year where he can really step forward and, uh, you know, kind of assume that catcher spot in a, a good spot in the lineup. So a whole lot of names that I think we'll see a majority of them on opening weekend. And then you can start figuring out, okay, who are my guys? Who are my nine that I got to go with game after game? Yeah, and that's that's where I think is uh, I think those that have followed this program closely coming into the season, where there's there is a a, a a cautiously optimistic approach to what could be because the the schedule itself, DC, aside from Clemson, who you're always going to have a challenge from, no matter what type of team they put on the field, um, the schedule really sets up to allow them to figure themselves out before yep. they get into the SEC, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I was like I was saying with Phil earlier, you set up this schedule for this team with so many new faces because yeah. you have to give them time to get their feet wet to, to see what you have. Because let's be honest here, as you guys know, because you ask him as well as I do, it's a crucial season for Kingston. 
I mean, we all know what happened at the end of last year, why he's still here and why perhaps we're not looking at a new face. But he knows it. There's always pressure in this program for him. There's a little more this year. So it's going to be a case of like, listen, everybody knows that last year, not an excuse, but there was a big reason why he finished as bad as he did. But it also continues a very bad trend of four missed postseasons and seven tries. Can't continue. Can't happen. Who, who, who is the, that cannot happen. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I realize it says it's like, but 10 years ago, more than 10, you know, you're the best program in the sport. Now look at it. I know 10 years is a long time, but it shouldn't have gone this bad this quickly. Yeah. And, and I'm, we all understand injuries too. I mean, they were decimated on the mound yeah. last year, decimated. Uh, and that was, but to your point in the, if, if what had happened prior had not happened, that would have, people would have washed it off. Oh my God. They were just had a ton of injuries, mm-hmm. but people, but people, we're not willing to necessarily look past that because of what preceded it. And the fact that just a couple of years ago, they were barely 500. They missed a couple of postseasons under, under coach Holbrook. And this is the one, I mean, Carolina DC, you've been around this program literally your entire life. Like there's one thing that you knew that you could always hang your hat on. And that was the fact that Carolina baseball was going to give you something to be proud of when the spring got here. And, and people have been panicked and freaked out. I understand it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, Jamie. I mean, even before they were winning national championships, this is a program you could set your watch by. Come hell or high water, every postseason, South Carolina was going to have your 40 wins and they'd be in it. That's what they did. And then to get to the pinnacle of the sport and then fall off so drastically, you just don't want to see it. And it's hard to sustain success. And, again, I will preach it until I'm blue in the face. Hiring Chad Holbrook was the right move. It was absolutely the right move. It just didn't work. That's right. That's no, you know, it's that's the, the reality of the situation. And then, of course, Mark Kingston, like, well, I mean, there's a good resume there. Could there have been better hire? Sure. There could have been a worse hire. Sure. But this is who you have. And the main thing is that after that first year, thought, okay, they're going to be okay. No problem. And they haven't been. You had a 500 season. You had a season where you got to the regionals, but you lost, and you lost 23 games in that season. Now, I'll be the first to say, just like in 2018, I don't care how many games you lose. It's where you finish up because that first year, I think if my math is right, they lost 26 games, which Ray Tanner nor Chad Holbrook ever lost that many in one season. Who cared? One more win and they're in Omaha, and that's a successful season. But they didn't get that win. And so it's like, okay, well, how are you going to match it? And they haven't since. So. Huge year for Mark Kingston, but they've got the horses to do it. It all starts on that little bump in the middle of the infield, and they got plenty of guys who can get up there. And going back to the, the youth movement, wait till you see Eli Jerzenbeck pitch. Yeah. That, that kid has got some serious stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've, we have heard both publicly and I've heard privately <sighs> – He's something. Can't, can't uh, hardly get kids like that. I mean, I, I for one, I didn't waste much time thinking about him on the scouting program. He'll go pro. I, don't worry about him. You know, don't waste your effort. And he's like, yeah, I'm coming to school. I thought, oh, well, maybe I better get up to Charlotte and talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're from Rock Hill. You're going home. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, King said on our show last week, Phil, he, he compared him to Shane McClanahan, mm-hmm. who King coached, recruited, coached and he started in the 
all-star game last year for the American League. And he, he literally compared this cat to Shane McClanahan. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, boy. And uh, the best thing about him is that because the rotation is so deep, you don't have to throw him out there on the weekend right away. I think it will eventually get there. But it's one of those you can't afford to ease him in against a midweek opponent where, theoretically, the competition isn't as great. You let him go out there, work out any kinks against real-life competition. And then if the time comes, say, hey, we're thinking about making a move to our Sunday guy. Eli, what do you think? Yeah, okay, coach, no problem. And, you know, that's past the whole pitch count that everybody's on in the first, you know, couple of starts. But it's a perfect scenario where you can work him in, and you also have James Hicks waiting out there, and you also have Matthew Becker, who was basically shoved into action last year because he didn't have anybody else. And, you know, it could have been better, but the kid pitched his heart out. Considering he was an overwhelmed freshman who really had no idea what to do, and was like, "Hey, you got to throw the Saturday game." Oh, uh, yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> and then you go up there, and it's like they got boat paddles, you know, slinging everything you throw into the out of reaches. So. But you, got, you just got to get keep trying, you know, keep throwing it down there. I tell you what, man, I remember last year when I know we got to let you go, but um, last year when he when he arrived onto the scene, and I, I was asking Wingo. I said, what, what what happened this weekend? He Wingo's response was, Matthew freaking Becker happened. <laughs> <laughs> said, yeah, careful. Um, Good old but, Scotty. Uh, he, he is he is he is something. It's uh, I'm waiting on you to do a story on Monty Lee coaching with Scott Wingo, who Monty Lee coached. Well, I think that you will probably won't have to wait long on that one. I mean, oh. you got two South Carolina legends right there. So Okay. All right. We'll keep our eyes And, of course, the first time I saw Monty, I was like, I, I like you a lot better in those colors. He's like, it fits better, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah. Dude, when he – yeah. Yeah, we'll leave that there. I I, I, <laughs> I, I, I I pulled for him because I love him, you know, and wanted him to win, but – it was God. That was hard. I mean, I'm so glad it's over. And what do you call it, Phil? The orange fog. Yes, up here in the orange fog. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad. He still that's remembers over. the 20 bucks I owe him too, which is a story for another. Day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that goes back a long time. Forget <laughs> that stuff. Yeah. All right, DC. Well, stay warm. And uh, I'm so glad we got to got to see and catch up with you. I know I'll see you pretty soon. I'll be in Columbia often this spring, uh, oh, yeah. finally with the kids able to do you know I can do that. Um, <laughs> but look forward to that, and and always look forward to everything you write. It's brilliant stuff. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, man. But yeah, it's silly season. Got a lot of sports starting up, but you know, hopefully I'll be over at the baseball park when I'm not covering Dawn's girls as they uh, embark on ring season. And uh, yeah. As you fellas well know, business is real, real good around here when yeah, it comes business to business. Is good. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get you back on actually very very soon. There is a lot that, that needs to be unpacked with that program. They are far and away the best team in the country. It's not close, and uh, certainly would love to get your comments on that. Thanks, man. Have a great weekend. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. There you go, Thank David Cloninger mm-hmm. with the Poster Courier. I apologize for I have no idea what happened. I, it literally kept it just it was like aliens. Getting hit by the the tech bugs today. Who knows? I don't know. It was aliens. All right. uh, We need to squeeze in the final break. We'll squeeze it in. Okay. We'll squeeze it in. Still got a couple of things to get to before we get things wrapped up. Don't don't leave. Don't go anywhere. Enjoy the rest of your lunch with us. Uh, Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios. We'll be right back. I want you to take me to Disney World. 
Calm down, calm down. JC is here. As y'all know, folks, the family and I have visited Disney World many times, but it can be overwhelming, especially if it's your first time going to the most magical place on earth. I highly recommend wherethisroadleads.com and my friend Cherie, a certified Disney vacation planner. That's right. The mouse has given her permission to book your family vacation hassle-free. You don't know where to go, don't know where to stay, don't know where to eat, don't know what to do. It can be overwhelming. So get on wherethisroadleads.com and schedule your free consultation right now. She can help you out. The prices are very reasonable. You don't pay any extra fees. Uh, In fact, she's much more reasonable maybe than booking it straight through Disney. So for your next Disney vacation, or, you know, more likely your first, so you don't panic, go to wherethisroadleads.com and talk to Cherie, certified Disney vacation planner, a partner of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Aventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more. They sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, Mo Kava here from Carolina Gamecocks. You're listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Course broadcasting from the Sinorama of Columbia Studios. I keep screwing that up and saying Sinorama Studios of you know in Columbia as if uh we were all in Columbia, but you never know. I mean, virtual we're virtual, so we're we're literally broadcasting and being listened to from everywhere and nowhere all at once. <laughs> well, I'm actually from high atop Founders Park. I can yeah. see where you are, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they really jacked up the press box down there, Founders. <laughs> Put it in the outfield. Uh, yeah, it's you know, it's it's a it's you get to see the whole field up here. Um, so, is know. this one of the theoretical views from uh, a potential condo expansion from the eleven ten project? Is that what this is? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think people down the road when they find out what all is actually coming to Columbia are going to be. It's not, I mean, I, there eventually are plans to go beyond basketball from what I've heard. I, I you know, I keep my eyes on areas around Founders Park um, down the road and, and really excited about that. Uh, the, let's see here, the Nana's award-winning Nana's porch uh, chat box. Uh, JB, I know it's hard to say, but would you agree that to that reach super regionals are necessary for this, us this year? So, you know, it's, that is a really fair question. Um, but it's but it's it's never black and white in baseball, you know. And and I, here's what is necessary: the postseason. And and they're going to y'all can come back and crush me all you want to if they don't make it. They'll be in the postseason. Um, I'll, I'll I'll stand by that's my preseason prediction. But you know, we we have seen plenty in college baseball where you know some of the better teams don't make it to the supers, and obviously some of the best teams don't don't make it to Omaha. Um, that's happened a lot. Shoot, it used to happen to Vanderbilt all the time. I was like, God, they're still not normal. Like, what's going on here? They finally broke through, of course. But, um, 
you know, when you when you get into a regional game, you know, or a regional, it, it really depends on draw, you know, and 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 what I mean by that, and we don't have enough time to get through all this, but Phil, I mean, you, you know, this you, we we've all if you if you stop and think about it, you get into a regional. Let's say you are a two seed, and they have to go to Chapel Hill, and they have to play this three seed up there. It might be Old Dominion, who happens to have a first rounder, and you get beat by a guy who's throwing 96, 97 years old, uh, mile per hour, you know, and like 96, 97 mile per hour, you know, and, and so now all of a sudden, you know, you're in the loss column or maybe you win the first game, but you, you run into the, you run into the one seed and, and you got to see their ace on Saturday. And now you've got a loss. Like it's baseball. Um, you know, the, some of the best teams or better teams that people thought coach Tanner had never made it to super regionals. So I'm not trying to set anything up for as an excuse for the program or the coaching staff, but I'm a baseball guy and I understand the game. And sometimes the best eight or the best 16 teams are not always the ones that are standing at the end of the year. But it's a fair question because Carolina has had some recent struggles and people are tired of that, you know, but it's not as easy as saying, well, you just take the next step. Well, well, you went up three steps, take the fourth one. Well, it's not always that way in college baseball. So I always want to give grace there. Um, you know, people can say what they want, but that's just the truth. It's kind of the, the um, just a matter of fact type stuff, you know. So uh, if they, this team should never miss the postseason and they should more than likely be in the final 16 probably half the time. I mean, that's just the program you've got here. So five out of ten years, you should be playing in a Super Regional probably. Uh, and then yeah. whatever happens from there, what happens from there. Those are – those. So, yeah, I mean, when you bring back it, the elite potential of Monty Lee as a recruiter and things of that nature to, to, and, the you know, the, the program itself being what it is and what it has been over the years, I, I don't think it's unrealistic to expect postseason every year. And, and yeah, like you said, top 16, because you, because you have the, you're, you're, you're fortunate enough to have a college baseball program uh, that is the college equivalent of the, the team with the biggest pocketbook in the majors, right? I mean, you're, you're effectively doing the same thing. You're able to draw the best talent. You're able to maintain it and keep it for as long as you can and assemble the best roster. So, you know, yeah, if you're, if you're not living up to those expectations, then you, you, you know, changes have to be made. But right now, I think as we head into this season, this postseason or bust. But I don't know about Super Bowl. Yeah, they got to be in the postseason. And they, and they will. They will be in the postseason, I, I think. And I know we're out of time. But um, I, 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 I anticipate this conversation coming up again. You know, if they if, let's say they make it to a regional and they and they don't get through the regional, you know, then people are going to backtrack on the postseason or bus thing. They're going to say, well, they should have gone further. You know, you got to put context in everything. You just have to. And with baseball, you never know what you're going to be up against. Just because you're playing, you know, whoever you want to play, college or Carolina a you could still go out and see, face somebody who has a career night. You could still go out and face somebody who's just really, really good. And you're only as good as your starting pitcher. And um, that's oh, just I mean, the nature of the beast. Yeah, look at the record of the, the winner last year. I mean, you know. Yeah.
one of my preseason favorites, and you know, they just got hot right at the right time. Yeah, and then you put it into context. You know, if you if you lose nine or ten midweek games, you got a problem. There's a problem in the program. Oh, you yeah. know, you lose seven or eight, even six, seven. <laughs> you know, that's you got an issue. But uh, we'll we'll get into more of that. Friday, you're going to really love. If you love baseball, if you don't love baseball, you do love superstars. We hope you'll join us tomorrow, though, at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.